All my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up to say goodbye. If anyone has a reason to hate him, I do because he almost killed my best friend, but I don't. Welcome to the season two finale of Second Chance Cinema called The Undeniably Authentic Ben Affleck. This episode will be released in two different parts for your listening pleasure. The hosts do curse, but I don't think we spoil any movies this time around. But before we go, we are currently planning our season three. So I'm going to put the bumper at the front because if you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for next season, you could reach us at 2ndchancinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancinema. There will be no bumper at the end of part one. That was it. I hope you enjoyed it, but I hope you enjoy this show even more. This is interesting. Not the first time you've had to grapple with sort of high concept science problems. No, I had some training, much like my character in the movie. I had some yes, training in my job. early life, um, but this kind of training was training in the, you know, making sixth grade math and science students suffer through belabored explanation of math and science concepts on a child's TV show. Because we didn't get this, I don't think we got it here, called Voyage of the Mimi. And how old were you when you presented Voyage of the Mimi? Uh, well, I did it over a period of time, and I'm not sure which clips you have. There's somewhere I'm 10 and somewhere I'm 13. Okay, I think this might be a later. This is just. This oh, there was somewhere I was even 14, actually, when I came to England. I was oh, a little that, bit well, then older. you might yeah, be 14 yeah, in this yeah. one, because this is in England. This is just to give you a taste of Voyage of the Mimi. Hi, I'm Ben Affleck. Archaeologists, like the ones in the second voyage of the Mimi, are a lot like detectives. But their clues are hundreds, even thousands of years old. And they can never really be sure if they've solved their mysteries. You know, never really know what was happening back in the past. Well, there's a man here, 60 miles southwest of London, England, who's doing some archaeology that might help provide some new clues for some old mysteries. Ooh. Oh, Very <laughs> relaxed. You know how to set up a story. You just looked look really relaxed. Those jeans said, hands in pockets. <laughs> you know when you get a laugh just on saying, I'm Ben Affleck. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to what is officially the season two finale of Second Chance Cinema, a podcast that is no stranger to controversy and divisiveness. And this episode, which is a two-parter, shall be no exception. We've uh, unofficially started a tradition with Second Chance Cinema that dates back to our first season, which was exactly one season ago, where at the end of each season, rather than discuss a movie, we opt to discuss a polarizing figure in the world of film. Our first attempt was a three-part miniseries talking about the genius of Michael Bay. And today we're going to be discussing a figure who 
I would argue that the both of us have more or less grown up with, which is a weird thing to say, though now I'm saying it and it's kind of clicking in my head, Ben Affleck. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm MC. Uh, with me as always, my co-host Spro. Spro, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm a little, it's bittersweet, I think. And I, I know like season three, obviously, is in the future, but like, I don't know. It's always like, it's a close of something. It's like, oh, it's our COVID season, I guess. You could kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have we have we seen each other face to face for one episode during the season? No, and that's a, we like and it's weird too because I only have two episodes left to recut and it's the covid episode. It's the outbreak and uh, Michael Bay. <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> well, so so that means we got our work cut out for us for season 3, but yeah, you know, season season 2 closing time. I forget who sings that song. Semi-sonic? I was going to say supersonic or like semi-charmed or something like that. (laughs) And now I'm trying to remember the lyrics and I can't. Like, I feel like there's a lyric about like, when one door closes, a window opens or some shit. I don't know. But anyway, here we are to talk about Ben Affleck. I was going to throw in, like, I don't know if we want to do a nostalgia factor of season two, but bro, we got like, talking to Jessica Bendinger was probably the highlight of season two. She was super cool, right? Yeah. Like that was, uh, yeah, definitely. And that was kind of a, um, I mean, more or less a Hail Mary. Like, (laughs) I mean, it was essentially (laughs) like, hey, what are you doing Friday night? Do you want to be on our (laughs) podcast? And she was totally down with it. And it was a great, um, I thought it was a great conversation. You know, it's made me even more nostalgic for the movies that we talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. Bring it on and stick it. And um, yeah, it was just nice to be able to talk to someone who's like, cool and who was you know interested in the discussion you know yeah absolutely we love to do that with our regular co-hosts and it was nice to have somebody kind of outside the bubble so to speak so um definitely (laughs) a highlight i'm trying to think if there was another highlight i feel like we opened this season with the wizard is that right yeah and our first guest it was right so evolution the the wizard our first guest i mean that was kind of a when i scroll back through the page i look and i see that poster and remember just the fun talking about the ridiculousness of that episode and yeah i mean you can listen to it uh we won't rehash but that was that was kind of a good way to set the tone for season two so and i think i told you but i ran into the guy that's in charge of writing the um remake of the wizard i don't know if you did tell me that tell me more did i not he was so i took the screenwriting classes at ucla i don't know if i could drop names or whatnot but my professor was he was like yeah i'm working on a project i was like oh what are you working on like i'm interesting he's like nobody really knows it it's a movie with a uh, fred savage and he nobody like knows a video it. game movie and i was like uh i think 10 new people know it because our listeners just were given an education <laughs> well i and mean it was if, like, he, if he had said little monsters i would have said yeah you're right but no the wizard people know the wizard yeah sound like the doorman in the wizard of oz <laughs> the wizard you don't know the wizard or whatever he says i sent him the leak to the wizard and i was like this will teach you how to uh mess with cars so that they get pulled over (laughs) so that it's legit in the movie so that it's more realistic and please i don't know if you want to put that in the remake or if he's if he's listening please do not have a scene where there are child cocktail waitresses in a video game (laughs) casino just enough the guy in the speedo can come back I'm, i'm down with that but the the child 
tarted up cocktail waitresses. No, thank you. Still weird. So I was just like, what game is it? But I never got an answer. What's going to be the big reveal? Yeah. I don't think they can do like Call of Duty or (laughs) like. No, that's why I was, you know, like the new Grand Theft Auto. Like I was figuring it was like. That would be, you know what? That would be a hell of a twist. Like if it was. If it was really, really done with today's like demo in mind and the big release was Grand Theft Auto and they did it like at a big convention and it was like all just Grand Theft Auto up on the screen, just like firebombing police cars and prostitutes and stuff like that would be that would be an interesting and relevant twist. I would be and still would, played by like a nine year old with. Right, autism. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and they're all just maybe they're in different rooms and they're all being virtually streamed and they're all just trash talking each other over their headsets or something. See, <laughs> Yeah, there's a way to do this. There's definitely a way to do this. You've you've set the the hamster wheel running in my head. So, <laughs> but yeah, back to our man of the hour, and then the second hour, part two, <laughs> Ben Affleck. Bro, I believe that possibly unofficially, but I believe that Ben Affleck was suggested by you as someone who, much like Michael Bay, seems to get a lot of unnecessary hate. I know that, for example, when my wife asked me who we were going to be or what we were going to speaking out tonight, I said Ben Affleck and she immediately responded with, oh, are you going to talk about how much he sucks? And I was like, <laughs> see, that's exactly why we're doing this. And I said, why does he suck? And she just said his face. And I said, I, I was like, this, this is why this show needs to happen. We need to not come to his defense, but you know, there's something to be said for the influence and the um, success of his career, I think. It is very weird. And it's funny that she said his face because I was reading article after article about just people asking why nobody likes Ben Affleck. (laughs) Are there a lot of articles? Oh my gosh. Like, so imagine being Ben Affleck and Time Magazine writes an article with the headline of why Ben Affleck still can't win. (laughs) And what year is this? So that one was in 2014. And then there was was another one in like the Independent that said like, why does everybody, why everybody hates Ben Affleck. And I'm like, man. man, that poor guy who, you know, we know suffers from personal demons, mm-hmm. like reading articles and headlines like that, that can't help. But going back to your wife's comment, one of the things that they point out is his chin. People hate his chin. At some point, I knew his chin was going to come up during the show. I didn't know in what capacity, but like Chevy Chase has the same chin. So does John Travolta, right? Kind of. I mean, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is it that offensive of a chin? I don't I don't know. Like it's it's certainly a divisive chin, apparently. But not really even. It's not like I, you don't hear people passionately defending his chin. It's usually just his chin is weird or it's disgusting or whatever. There's really not kind of even a middle or a high ground. It's just it's just a point of contention for the Aflac haters. Well, and like to be so superficial about your hate, you know. And it's funny, too, because he also he came up in our Michael Bay episode because Michael Bay got that bad rap of, you know, like really locking in on people's appearances for his movies. And he had or he paid for, I guess, but he pretty much pressured Ben Affleck to change his teeth. That's right. For Armageddon or putting on caps. So he stopped having the baby teeth. And so (laughs) Ben Affleck's gone through some shit as a public figure, especially concerning his appearance. 
So let's dive right in the traditional way. Let's end, let's start the end of the season off right with our Wheel of Poetry. Our Wheel of Poetry is the longest running tradition we have on Second Chance Cinema, other than, you know, sitting down and talking about movies. Uh, the basis behind it is a, imagine a Wheel of Fortune type wheel with five different types of quote unquote poetry on the on it. There is, let's see, limerick, haiku, ABAB, song parody, and toast slash roast. And we didn't really discuss a trailer, so to speak, about Ben Affleck to hmm. play while we write our, our poetry. But maybe we can spin the wheel and then figure out something to put in. Maybe there's a good quote about him talking about his chin. Maybe the animal <laughs> crackers uh, scene from uh, Armageddon. These are just things that that pop off the top of my head. Or I mean, you were you were texting earlier about, or I think you emailed about like a tie-in with Boiler Room. Ah, yes. Maybe we just yes, do one of his that. speeches from Boiler Room. Okay. Play the Boiler Room speech. No, maybe not the whole thing, but like the good parts. You know the good parts. It's all the <laughs> yeah. good parts, but yeah, definitely. Because Boiler Room, for those of you second chance um, OGs, uh, was our very first episode. So yes, perfect suggestion. So we're going to spin the wheel first, and we'll see what it lands on. Okay, we're on Limerick. So for those of you who don't know what a Limerick is, just think of there once was a man from Nantucket. And then I'm sure you've heard different iterations of of the lines that follow. So we're going to play this monologue, Ben Affleck from Boiler Room. And then we will be back with an ode to our subject for this season two finale of Second Chance Cinema. Okay, here's the deal. I'm not here to waste your time. Okay, I certainly hope you're not here to waste mine. So I'm going to keep this short. Become an employee of this firm, you will make your first million within three years. Okay? I'm gonna repeat that. You will make a million dollars within three years of your first day of employment at JT Marlin. There is no question as to whether or not you'll become a millionaire working here. The only question is how many times over. You think I'm joking? I am not joking. I am a millionaire. It's a weird thing to hear, right? I'll tell you. It's a weird thing to say. I am a fucking millionaire. I guess how old I am. 27. You know what that makes me here? A fucking senior citizen. This firm is entirely comprised of people your age, not mine. Lucky for me, I happen to be very fucking good at my job or I'd be out of one. You guys are the new blood. You're gonna go home with the Kessif. You are the future big swinging dicks of this firm. Now y'all look money hungry, and that's good. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil, doesn't fucking have any. They say money can't buy happiness, look at the fucking smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house on the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. You are required to work your fucking ass off at this firm. We want winners here, not pikers. A piker walks at the bell. Piker asks how much vacation time you get in the first year. Vacation time? People come and work at this firm for one reason, to become filthy rich. That's it. We're not here to make friends. We're not saving the fucking manatees here, guys. You want vacation time? Go teach third grade public school. Your friends are shit. It's only made 25 grand last month. They're not going to fucking believe you. Fuck them. Fuck them. 
Parents don't like the life you lead? Fuck you, mom and dad. See how it feels when you're making their fucking Lexus payments. Now go home and think about it. Think about whether or not this is really for you. If you decide it isn't, listen, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not for everyone. But if you really want this, you call me on Monday and we'll talk. Just don't waste my fucking time. That monologue remains one of like, that's, that's one that it's one of those movies that I don't know if it's the whole movie, but definitely that scene. There are a few movies I think in everybody's life where like, if they happen to walk by the TV and it's on, they'll stop whatever they're doing. That scene is definitely one of those for me. Other movies, maybe not too coincidentally, Wall Street, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990, Street Fighter, obviously. Um, And now that I'm thinking about it, that never happens anymore because we don't watch actual TV. We push play and we kind of control what's on, right? Mm -hmm. So the times they are changing. All right, you want to go first? Our limericks about Ben Affleck. Sure. All right. There once was a man from Boston. It's Matt Damon and his friend Ben. Matt Damon became born. Ben Affleck was scorned. Oh, but I really like him as Batman. Nice. We'll get into all that. Um, (laughs) Mine's fairly similar. There once was an actor named Ben. He was hated again and again. Some movies were bad, but others were rad. We hope highs how he holds up his chin. We've taken it full circle back to the chin. I think we I can like probably it. we can put a moratorium on the chin for now because we've got a lot of more important stuff to talk about. So I always kind of defer to you when it comes to the granular and technical and even nuanced aspects of movies and directing. And I think that when we were first introduced to Ben Affleck, I don't even know what his first movie was. What was it? Uh, his first movie. So he's uncredited as a baseball fan at Fenway Park for Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, right. So when we were first introduced, like, to the wave of Ben Affleck. I think that we got hammered over the head with like the, probably the Armageddon, like late nineties Ben Affleck. So after Goodwill Hunting, and then when it was sort of, he was just kind of in everything. And then it was him and JLo. He came out with, you know, a handful of movies that were regarded as stinkers, maybe <laughs> justly, maybe unjustly. But uh, my question based on kind of how I introduced this topic was we we, kind of know why people hate Ben Affleck and we'll discuss it a little bit more. But what is it to you, Spro, about Ben Affleck that's so redeeming as an actor and a director? Because to me, like I know jack shit about directing. I know very little about acting, but at least I've seen more people act than I've seen people direct. You, on the other hand, are very plugged in and very educated about that sort of thing. So he's lately become known as sort of like this auteur director, you know, over the past however many like 10 years or so and that's like the exact opposite trajectory you would have thought when you watched him ride a spaceship up to an asteroid in Armageddon (laughs) on that subject I think his directing is very down to earth I think he respects everything about it but essentially he definitely respects the source material he delivers what is on the page and puts it up on the screen and that not only that but I think that he invests his time and and he invests his vision into making sure that he gets at least the world right. 
of course, he's from Boston. And so when he did Gone Baby Gone, which was his first film, you felt like like if you took a camera, right, and went out on the streets of Cleveland, like you're from Cleveland, you know what the streets look like, you know what to capture to make people in other areas of the world feel like they are seeing the real Cleveland. And I that's what Ben Affleck did it, you know, like all of his movies are kind of an ode to the places that they are set in, in Boston, like Gone Baby Gone. And then there was the town Argo, of course, not set in Boston, but he definitely does his due diligence and he doesn't outshine the material. He creates these movies where pretty much he's just making sure that the story is being told in the best way possible. And you could tell that he's respected within the industry because the players that he gets for these movies, they're power players, you know, like from Gone Baby Gone to Argo, it's it's Ed Harris from Morgan Freeman. I mean, his brother Casey Affleck, of course, is probably like, I, I would be curious to see if like Casey was like, hey, man, is there a role in there for me? <laughs> You know, like if he he himself, I mean, not not to knock his abilities, but I mean, he's an Affleck and now he's an Affleck with an Oscar. Right. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like this is a fluke, I think, is maybe what the point is. Well, and it's funny to see, like, because, of course, him, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote Goodwill Hunting together. Mm -hmm. And the role that Casey Affleck gets in it is the guy that's masturbating into a baseball glove. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to see, like, Casey Affleck then came into his own. Yeah, as far as like Ben Affleck goes as a director, I would say that he's not Zack Snydering it, you know, like he's not being like, oh, this is what I'm making and it's going to be so cool and I'm going to be a visionary and I'm going to be groundbreaking and anything like that. He's like, this is the story I want to tell. And he tells it simply, but beautifully and succinctly to the point where I think that he has not directed a bad piece yet, which he's got a couple under his belt. And I would trust anything that he puts out in there. I knew he was he was supposed to until everybody backlashed him because one, he's an easy target nowadays. And two, the Zack Snyder Justice League and all that shit was shit. So they really came down hard on him, but he was going to be the Batman and direct it. And I, I was super excited to see what he was going to do with that. But so two alas, things, we'll never man. see it. So when you're talking about Zack Snyder, and of course, I was thinking about Michael Bay, it seems like the way to sum up the praise you were just giving him is substance over style rather than style over substance. Is that accurate? Yeah, I guess, which I mean, never really, that's never really my take on things. Like I'm always, I usually love style, but. And I think, I mean, I, our, our Michael Bay tribute gushing tribute to michael bay shows that like there's certainly room for both and when style is done well by someone who is like we said a a genius and can hack that type of reputation it's awesome to watch and it's fun to watch but just as fun can be the filmmaker who's subversive and subtle and again nuanced and and that seems to be the area that ben affleck is playing in now when you mentioned this i'm almost embarrassed to admit but (laughs) i'm I'm also not because there is there is a genuine reason for my um conflation of the two but when you said i think when we were emailing you said gone baby gone and i was like oh yeah i just watched that recently that was a fucked up movie where the girl pretends to be kidnapped and she kills neil patrick harris and um (laughs) slices his throat on the bed and then tyler perry shows up and that man that was weird ben affleck directed that and i was like i had to wikipedia and reset and I was like, oh, these are these are two different movies I'm thinking of. 
<laughs> but Ben Affleck was in Gone Girl, mm-hmm. which is why I got them mixed up. So Gone Girl and Gone Baby Gone, and they both have Gone in the title, obviously. That was a little bit of a uh, of a mind F on me as I was trying to kind of wrap my head around what was going on. But you bring up the Batman, and I think if you look at the list of Batmen that have existed, starting with Michael, well, starting with Adam West, technically, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, Clooney, Christian Bale, and then Ben Affleck. Did I miss anybody? And up Coming Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. He is, I would argue, as Bruce Wayne. And I always find myself separating the Bruce Wayne character from the Batman character in the movies, like especially in the Dark Knight trilogy. The Batman character to me is one away from the Bruce Wayne character. They're just they're like diff- they're just different characters in the same universe. And mm. I would argue that Ben Affleck's both his Bruce Wayne and his Batman are I mean I would I would put each of them top of the list, top 2 personal preferences, maybe not the best, but he was given kind of I feel like with the writing and the controversy around the, you know, the whole Justice League and the Snyderverse and all that stuff, he was given the task of making lemonade out of lemons, but they took his water away. They also took his sugar away. They took the cardboard he was going to write the sign on away. They took the table away. And still, he's a completely believable Bruce Wayne. He's a completely, I feel like, different Bruce Wayne than sort of just like the millionaire playboy you know, iterations we've seen in the past. And like you said, it's disappointing to know that, you know, there could be more and there probably won't be. Yeah. This is crown jewels here, Mr. Wayne. And you do understand my legal exposure. If anyone knew what I procured for you. Listen, I can keep a secret, okay? What do you want? People are asking questions about Midway City. The kind of people can get the answers. And if they can get those answers, my head will be on a pike. Consider yourself under my protection. If you deliver. Why, Mr. Wayne? Just like to make friends. Hmm. There's a difference between those who believe in friendship, I believe in leverage. Good night. You look tired. You should stop working nights. You should shut it down. My friends and I will do it for you. Well, and I think, like, I equate it to Pierce Brosnan as, and I know you haven't seen James Bond, but Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, people go, oh my gosh, he was like the worst. No, 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 his movies were the worst. Exactly. He was a great James Bond. Like, Ben Affleck's Batman movie, definitely not the worst, because Batman and Robin is still out there, (laughs) but... he he was a great Batman. He was surrounded by a tornado of crud. That's and that's really what it was like. And even the the writing and the plot points and stuff like that, arguably crap in my opinion, not great. But like the aura of Batman in the Justice League movies as this kind of like big hulking powerful superhero, especially when he gears up to fight Superman in I don't remember what was that. Dawn of Dawn of yeah, that was, Dawn was it Dawn of Justice? Yeah, Batman versus Superman. <sighs> Dawn so of Justice. Stupid. It was so stupid. The same year Marvel releases Guardian, I think Guardians of the Galaxy two, where their main antagonist is literally a living plant. 
planet. Like how hard, how, how difficult would that be to envision and then film and then make it make sense? And they did it perfectly. And yet here's DC who fucks up literally Batman fighting Superman. It's like, <laughs> it was so frustrating, but no, it, I mean, I think the worst part of that movie was, uh, and then like try to shoehorn in the death of Superman. It's like, right. that's the biggest comic book of, of like all time. And you're uh, just going to like, be like, Hey, we're just going to throw it into the third act. <laughs> Uh, debatable on the biggest comic book of all time. That might be a topic for Rushmore, but I see what you're saying. It was a throwaway. It was a it was a, a monumental occurrence that was essentially a throwaway. Mm-hmm. But my point was when he was in the armor, when he had all the kryptonite weapons, the gas and the spear and all that stuff, like he was formidable in a way that no other Batman I can think of has been. He wasn't like the um like the sleek kind of Michael Keaton Batman where his gadgets were very just like utilitarian. He wasn't, I don't even remember the Val Kilmer Batman (laughs) and and, and the Clooney Batman was the nipples. So, you know, whatever, but like even the Christian Bale Batman with like the gruff voice and stuff, he wasn't like this big, almost abominable presence the way Affleck's Batman was. And I think largely in part because I believe Ben Affleck is like a big dude, right? He's like six foot four, five, six or something like that. And that translated really well to the superhero character. So speaking of superhero characters, the other superhero he's played, Daredevil. (laughs) Now, we've talked about doing Daredevil on Second Chance Cinema before, and I wouldn't rule it out. But that was a movie that just got like almost universally panned in a way that I don't remember ever seeing. And it was kind of unfortunate because it was one of the earlier superhero movies. It was like 2001 or 2002, I think. So X-Men had come before it, I feel like, and Blade. And really, that was it, if I remember. And it was just such a stinker, or at least it was regarded as such a stinker that it put this just like shit colored hue on the superhero genre. And all of that was directed at Ben Affleck when really like it wasn't his best performance, but that was certainly not a the terrible movie that people make it out to be. Yeah. Are you a fan of Daredevil? The character or the movie? Yeah, the character. Um, I don't know a ton about him to say I'm a super fan, but I like I mean, I love the like the mythology of, you know, him being a blind lawyer and justice is blind and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, 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 I enjoy him. I don't I'm not I'm not a super fan or anything. Why do you ask? No, I was just wondering because so everybody loved the Netflix show and the Netflix show then like birth, like the Punisher and stuff like that. But even as I watched that, I was like, I just I don't know if I dig this character. (laughs) It's not he's not a flashy character. He's not like a super charismatic character. He's kind of like a brooding Spider-Man kind of character, I guess. Like Spider-Man is I feel like him and Spider-Man are kind of cut from the same like archetypal cloth but spider-man is like fun and colors and thwip and webs and all that whereas daredevil is kind of more just trying to be menacing but daredevil is kind of like a batman right because he's seized by sonar exactly yeah and that's i think that's the thing that the movie itself messed up was that it and this was just a product of the times too i mean everything in like you know the 2000 the early 2000s was 
just like over the top silly when you look back at it. And mm-hmm. the Daredevil movie was it, it tried to like out cartoon itself almost with like the fight on the playground. Bullseye, who I thought was awesome. Colin Farrell, would, I don't care if he was like drunk on set every day and completely phoned it in. Like that was an awesome character. Michael Clark Duncan as the kingpin, I guess, was OK. But the point was like it, it seems like nobody directed their hate at the movie as much as they did as at Ben Affleck. And then when it was announced that he was going to be Batman, that hate just surged up again from its like deep dormant place within the hearts of nerds everywhere. And it was like, oh no, he's going to ruin another superhero. And he didn't. He galvanized Batman's legacy a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Well, and he made him believe, like I liked the evolution that they took with that, where, you know, like you brought him up as as Batman. But like I, when I think about Ben Affleck's turn as Batman Bruce Wayne, I think about his Bruce Wayne and his like aching old body. And, exactly. You know, yep. He's got whiskey in his glass and he's just sitting there and be like, ah, oh, fuck. And, yep. You know, like I loved, I love that iteration and you're not going to get it. You know, now we're going back to Robert Pattinson as mm-hmm. like a emo detective Batman. So <laughs> I'd see that movie emo detective, even if it wasn't, <laughs> if, if it was like just all four fallout boys, like I would, I would watch emo detective, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, um, it's like Logan, right? I know you mm-hmm. love Logan and the, yeah. old, the old man Logan storyline, you know, from the comics very much echoes the, um, the dark Knight returns where Bruce Wayne, like you're saying is old and he is a man. He's not like a mutant where he heals and regenerates. Like he's, a 60 year old guy who's you know with the help of armor and gadgets and stuff like that has been beaten to shit over the course of 40 years and the Ben Affleck character the Bruce Wayne you know side of that did get into that more so than any of the live action Batman did previously and I wonder if maybe because we're kind of old now like I wonder if if it resonates with us differently than it would have if it came out at the same time as like Batman Forever or Batman and Robin I don't know I mean we were young with Batman and Robin and Batman Forever and that we were we were very very click. young and we were very very <laughs> stupid that's what I was hoping though for with when it came to like the bat like as you saw Dawn of Justice and Justice League and you saw how he was as Batman I was like are is the Batman going to be like the Batman Logan like are we going to get that kind right. of Batman where he starts you know just going apeshit because he's dying mm-hmm. we'll never know but I mean like I will say this isn't the last time we'll see him as the Batman because he's got a cameo in the flash oh movie coming up right the flash (laughs) (laughs) non sequitur i'm so glad nobody nominated him to mount rushmore because man i don't know the flash was just the one that like i i don't know just if i had to pick a lame superhero and i picked captain planet for mount rushmore so (laughs) we we digress but one of the things that and it's kind of I guess um, serendipitous that we're doing this podcast now that sort of demonized Ben Affleck for whatever reason and the more I think about this the more it baffles me was his relationship with Jennifer Lopez in the (laughs) 2000s or late 90s or 2000s what was the genesis of the hate for that 
Like, why did people hate him for dating this beautiful, talented woman? That is a curious thing. I mean, one, jealousy, right? I Because she that. was at the top of her game. She was untouchable, really. Like, now we look back and, like, J-Lo has been married, I think, like, two to three times. And you think, like, the guys that she married afterwards, Ben Affleck, I think everybody looked at him kind of like, not necessarily his Goodwill Hunting character, but they looked at him like his Armageddon character. You know, like, this sweetheart of a guy who then made reindeer game like no matter what he did (laughs) ben affleck like was never the boiler room guy right he was never that tough tough person he was the forces of nature guy and then you know then there's j-lo who is doing who has fuck who was like the featured rapper who had um ja rule you know rapping with her and everything like that <laughs> she was super hip and cool she was the in living color dancer oh boy. how times have and changed. now she's dating the the lead from bounce <laughs> right how times like, have changed when ja rule was considered the um <laughs> the pinnacle of society uh, and and companionship. Good grief. Yeah, because nobody had a problem with J-Lo like dating like Mark (laughs) Anthony, who apparently had a gun problem. And then there was a... Well, yeah, didn't you see The Substitute? (laughs) (laughs) And wait a minute, you said said J-Lo was only married two or three times? Yeah. I would take the over on that just off the top of my head. I I don't know what to base that on, but I feel like it's more. And maybe- I think she was engaged more. Okay, maybe I'm hung up on the term married. Maybe it was never actually legal, but I feel like I've I've seen a lot more suitors than just two or three. But yeah, um, you make a good point with the jealousy. And I don't even remember this. Like, I really genuinely don't remember, number one, caring, but number two, like hearing a definitive reason. And I guess it sounds like maybe people were just pissed that he was like dating out of his league, which well, he, had nothing like to the, do with him as an actor at the time. Right. Well, he's the perennial never enough guy right like he's never good enough for j-lo and then when he married jennifer gardner like she was you know such a sweetheart that they were like oh he's not good enough for her (laughs) you know like he never i would say now now with his resurgence like with him not his resurgence with him and j-lo getting back together it doesn't seem like there's that much hate is it that or is it just nobody cares anymore what i want might be well i think people don't give it like i think people are taking bets on whether or not this is going to last, you know, I mean, just if you because think about any, anyone who's interested in this shit now is our age. I don't think kids give a shit about Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. It's the people who are nostalgic <laughs> for the 90s and the 2000s, right? That could be true. Yeah. You know, so like those are the people who, if they ever had any skin in the game back in the day, are kind of like, oh, Oh, part two, what's going to happen? The exciting conclusion, the sequel, whatever. Um, (laughs) The other thing I'm wondering is how much the rise of the internet and digital online networking had to do with the hate of Ben Affleck and J-Lo because that was just right around... I mean, not certainly when the internet was invented, but like that was the time when you posted away messages and you posted pictures and stuff on MySpace. And it was very, very clickbaity before clickbait was kind of a thing. And they were definitely some of the forerunners of that kind of like toxic gossip um, 
culture that that you know continues to this day but was really just kind of like overwhelming during the you know late 90s and 2000s well let's dive into the hate so like so jennifer lopez's music video jenny from the block happens in 2002 okay right that's the uh, flame to the fuse of the Mission Impossible <laughs> dynamite stick. Is that the that video where he um, like rubs lotion on her ass and kisses it? Yeah, yeah. And okay. the like, you know they're like on they're a on a yacht, yeah, and they're yeah. getting gas in their <laughs> I mean, Ferrari and stuff like this that. This shit was goofy and corny, but like. <laughs> I mean, and maybe I'm misremembering the hate. Like maybe we're both misremembering how, and we're thinking that maybe people dumped on him more than they actually did. But I don't think so. I seem to me remember it being pretty intense. But go well, on. Well, it's funny too because I did not like that song. That song to me was like rubbing it in everybody's face. I don't even how remember. Much I remember has. the chorus. What was it about? Like she's rich and she's fancy. Yeah, don't be don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still Jenny from the block, and it's like no. I'm sure the people on the block are would kill their mother for a rock, <laughs> you know, like one of the diamonds that she is just like flaunting about and being like, don't worry, I'm still one of you. I'm just super rich and famous. So like the song <sighs> had a weird message to it. And then the video was her flaunting pretty much her relationship with Ben Affleck, who was just kind of being used as arm candy. And he was willingly going along with it. But in the same instance, I think turning the spotlight on them, people uh, were, it's kind of like Beyonce, you know, like man. people are like, oh my gosh, she's a queen. What is she doing with that guy? And this is I mean, where- man, this, th- like hearing you talk, I'm remember, like I'm flashing back and it's just weird being old, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I This was we were in college. <laughs> we were, we were, we would have been in college. Um, peaches but I and mean, cream. The, <laughs> what's peaches and cream? The one song I was trying to think of, like the burn CD that I had that had like um, "I'm oh, Real" like, was like, a Jennifer Lopez song. Oh, and peaches yeah, and the cream mixed CDs with like three like eleven blink underscore one eighty two underscore dot <laughs> rock show dot mp three dot yeah yeah LimeWire um, LimeWire Winamp. I remember girls, I think in like high school when, when, so high school would have been when Armageddon and Goodwill Hunting came out. And I remember plenty of girls that you and I were probably both friends with having crushes on Ben Affleck. And then the script just flipped. And you made a good point saying that like he was sort of downgraded to this arm candy role. And I hadn't really considered that until you said it in those words, but that's seems pretty true. And the fact that he just went along with it, quote unquote, why would you not go along with that? What's what's the good reason to not go along with that? Because let's think about this at that time. That was almost 20 years ago. How old was he? Like 20s? Whatever. Born in 1972. Okay. So he would have been probably close to like 30. And all of these things we're discussing, I don't see a good reason to hate Ben Affleck. Right. Like if you put yourself in his shoes, is there a downside to what he's doing? <laughs> you know, like personally from like, I'm sure he got up one day and was like, why is everybody fucking hating me? I mean, me? Other, you know, than, like- <laughs> other than having to be like with J-Lo in the studio and being like, yeah, honey, that's a really good song. I don't think so. <laughs> you know? But you look at it like Jenny from the Block is 2002. And then in 2003 is Daredevil is okay. like the next movie that comes out. So then so people are residual, like- residual Visual hate carrying over. And then Jiggly or G- Jiggly. 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 Now, what have you been up to? Any, well, uh, I don't know if you if you know has, about this. I have a has, film. Has Jiggly opened? Jiggly. Yeah, it has opened. Okay. Funnily enough. Yeah. Mm. It's out. So I'm Thank you. I didn't. Right. Now, there's a. It's, yeah. it's interesting because I, was, I wasn't paying attention to the beginning of the show, but I. <laughs> there's this. Uh, 
common misconception out yeah. there that the movie didn't somehow do well or wasn't no. well received. Come. People think that, Jen. No. Yes, they do. <laughs> I know it seems crazy to you and Kevin. Well, what's up, man? But, uh, what's up, man? Yeah, I see you. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted to just <clears throat> kind of uh, set aside some of these misconceptions right. and read some of the love that I've gotten from these uh, the press corps of America, the reviews for the movie. Oftentimes they'll put them in the advertisements, yeah. and I'm going to go ahead and plug the movie now because it is still out. So I'd like, you, and these are, I'd like you to these hear. Are, these are actual reviews? These are actual reviews right. that I culled right. because I you know, pay attention to these oh, things sure, for yeah. the movie. <clears throat> so I'm going to read these, and you let me know if you think it sounds like something you want to see. <clears throat> Such an utter wreck of a movie. <laughs> you expect to see it lying on its side somewhere in rural Pennsylvania with a small gang of engineers circling and a wisp of smoke rising from the caboose. <laughs> hold on, hold, that, that, that was a mistake. I, I didn't mean to pull that one. This, uh. <clears throat> uh, speculating that the $3.8 million Gili earned at the box office came from the purchase of two $1.9 million tickets purchased by Ben and Jen. <laughs> That was Bunsen Television. I, I want to give credit where credit's due yeah, here. Yeah. <clears throat> a black hole, Gili. A black hole that sucks reputations, careers, and goodwill down its vortex. <laughs> so, 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 so. Gili is so horrible, I had to go clean my palate afterward by watching glitter. Wow. You don't, you don't see that every day. That's not finished. A bigger mess than the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> Gili will, this is true, I couldn't make this up. Gili will appeal to celebrity gawkers and the certifiably insane. <laughs> if that's not an endorsement, I mean, uh, save $10 in your dignity. Gili is at war with itself and no one wins. <clears throat> the second to last one is Affleck and Lopez are so taken with each other, they don't need an audience. Good thing, because they're not going to get one, not with this stinker. My favorite, my favorite review, though, the best one, I have to say, that was Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. Very nice, touche. Um, was the New York Times ran a headline after the box office yeah. was uh, less than we'd hoped. Uh, so the headline was, Ben and Jennifer finally get some privacy. <laughs> so, I've never seen that movie. I assume you have. I have. Tell me exactly, because that was another lightning rod. That was him and J-Lo in a movie, and it was sort of almost like, from what I remember, it was like a vanity project. Like, the, or at least that's how it was regarded as like, a, we're a hot couple, we're going to make a movie together now, and nobody can touch us, we're perfect, and it, then it was just a shit movie. So, right. and from what I understand, it really was a shit movie. So the thing is, is one, we've all been in love. We've all been in that honeymoon stage like the first six months or whatever, when all you want to do is spend all your time with the other person. None of us have ever been Ben Affleck or Jennifer Lopez, right? Fact. It's Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Like their honeymoon period was probably banging and they wanted to do everything together. And then a project comes along and they're like, you guys could be in this movie together and they're in love and it's forever. Of course, it always is forever at the very beginning. And so they do this movie together. It's not a great movie, but people are already starting to hate on Ben Affleck, not necessarily. I don't know why Jennifer Lopez got none of the hate. So they all hated on Ben Affleck and then they all hated on this movie. But there's plenty of instances where couples get together and make a movie. One of them is Eyes Wide Shut, which you're like watching a married couple have sex on oh, yeah, screen. That's, that's right. cringy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's got a 2.5 rating on IMDb. I don't know out necessarily. Of, out of 10? 10, yeah. I don't 10. know anything lower than, I mean, that's lower than our lowest movie, which was Street Fighter. Well, 
Oh, was it? Oh, that's sad. <laughs> and and again, like the movie was never going to escape the hype. It was never going to surface from beneath just like that wave of negative publicity that preceded it. And then everybody was just determined to hate it, I think. And the fact that it happened to be a shitty movie was just sort of like, you know, more ammunition. But then we get into the movies after that. Were those when the Kevin Smith movies came out or was that before? Before and after. So he was always kind of a Kevin. It was him and Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. And then he became like a Kevin Smith kid in this like weird kind of rat packy group, I guess. Mm-hmm. 2002 was Jenny from the Block. He did do Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back beforehand. He did one of my favorites of his, which was Chasing Amy. He was in Mall Rats, which so like Kevin Smith is pretty much clerk. Mall Rats Chasing Amy were his first three. Mm hmm. With us trying doing a Ben Affleck appreciation podcast, we have to appreciate Kevin Smith and him being like, I don't care what people say, I'm putting you in my movies. Yeah, that's true. Um, in 2001, he did Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And then in 2006, they did Clerks 2. Okay, so let's talk about Goodwill Hunting and Chasing Amy, because I know those are two movies that you're quite fond of. So what do you think those movies specifically did to kind of the phrase I'm coming to is like earmark Ben Affleck for greatness because they were <laughs> Goodwill Hunting wasn't under the radar. They won an Oscar for it. Chasing Amy, I think, was a little under the radar, but they both introduced Ben Affleck in ways that I know are fairly significant to you as both a screenwriter and you know, as a movie lover, but they also, again, later on became overshadowed by all of this like fluff and garbage sizzle that that the public became enthralled with. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Chasing Amy and Goodwill Hunting, the one thing that you can definitely say that they share in common is fantastic dialogue and executed very well. Ben Affleck plays a comic book artist with Jason Lee, who I think is always fantastic in his own right. And he plays a guy that falls in love with a lesbian Mm -hmm. and what kevin smith does very well uh in this movie i think in particular to me it's one of kevin smith's best movies as well is that he has these monologues of dialogue that people are spouting out very quickly but in the same instance it's kind of like if you took our show second chance cinema and made a transcript out of it you and i will go on these long-winded speeches where you just i assume you do the same thing i do is kind of just sit at your desk and and listen and be like yeah i have nothing to add there i have nothing to add there i'm just gonna let him keep going until i find a place (laughs) to let you know like say something and that's what kevin smith does as a writer for this movie and so ben affleck if anybody is a fan is not seen chasing amy is delivering if you like so i would say a lot of people have seen goodwill hunting not a lot of people have seen chasing amy if you like the monologue that ben affleck delivers in goodwill hunting about one morning I hope you're not there. I hope I go up to your front door and you're not there because you're off doing something better because you deserve a better life. You're not meant to appropriate. Look, you're my best friend, so don't take this the wrong way. In 20 years, if you're still living here, coming over to my house to watch the Patriots game, you're still working construction, I'll fucking kill you. That's not a threat. What? That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. What the fuck are you talking about? Look. You got something none of us. Oh, come on. Why, why is it always this? I mean, I fucking owe it to myself to do this or that. What if I don't no, want to? No, 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 no. Fuck you. You don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Because tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'll be 50. And I'll still be doing this shit. 
That's all right. That's fine. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You're too much of a pussy to cash it in. And that's bullshit. Because I'd do fucking anything to have what you got. So would any of these fucking guys. It'd be an insult to us if you're still here in 20 years. Hanging around here is a fucking waste of your time. You don't know that. I don't? No, you don't know that. Oh, I don't know that. Let me tell you what I do know. Every day I come by your house and I pick you up. We go out, we have a few drinks and a few laughs, and it's great. You know what the best part of my day is? It's for about 10 seconds from when I pull up to the curb and when I get to your door. Because I think maybe I'll get up there and I'll knock on the door and you won't be there. No goodbye, no see you later, no nothing. I'm just left. I don't know much, but I know that. what he says in that he has like seven of those speeches in chasing amy about you know like i can't handle this i'm a piece of shit like i don't this is not for me like i'm just trying to understand like there's just a wealth of emotion from ben affleck in chasing amy i think it's one of his greatest performances you love me i love you and not not in a friendly way, although I think we're great friends, and not in a misplaced affection puppy dog way, although I'm sure that's what you'll call it. I love you. Very, very simple, very truly. You are the, the epitome of everything I have ever looked for in another human being. And I know that you think of me as just a friend and crossing that line is, is, is the furthest thing from an option you would ever consider, but... <sighs> I had to say it. I just, I can't take this anymore. I can't stand next to you without wanting to hold you. I can't, I can't look into your eyes without feeling that, that longing you only read about in trashy romance novels. I can't talk to you without wanting to express my love for everything you are. And I know uh, this will probably queer our friendship, no pun intended. But I had to say it. I've never felt this way before. And I, I don't care. I like who I am because of it. And if bringing this to light means we can't hang out anymore, then that hurts me. But God, I just, I couldn't allow another day to go by without just getting it out there, regardless of the outcome. Which, by the look on your face, is to be the inevitable shoot down. So, and I know Chasing Amy, I think when we, when we were talking about uh, how we were going to attack the show, I know Chasing Amy was a, for you as like a human being, not as Spro the screenwriter or Spro the whatever, aspiring director, movie critic, whatever, but like as a human being, as a guy, that was a, an important movie for you because of the concept of like the forbidden love and, you know, that just the accessible way with wh- how that was handled. Yeah. His character is a lot of like, so yeah, he falls in love with a lesbian or I guess she's bisexual because she likes him back and everything. And he won. That's almost an impossible relationship to have. That's my kind of woman. 
<laughs> to crush on is like, oh yeah, totally out of, maybe not necessarily my league, but almost every woman that I've ever dated, I'm not their type. And so I'm always like, yep, challenge accepted. And then two, there's a lot going on in the movie about her past and who she's hooked up with and everything. And he, he's got to struggle with whether or not he could get past it. And for whatever reason, I am not a jealous person over people's present. I don't want to know anything about people's past. And so that character like resonates with me and the way that the movie unfolds and the ending that it has to me it's it's you couldn't have a better scripted storyline with the problems that it presents cool so i think we're at the point we can talk about armageddon and (laughs) that was kind of a bumpy segue but i mean that's that was sort of like his for lack of a better word launch into mainstream box office big budget hollywood blockbuster popularity is that because it definitely wasn't phantoms (laughs) holy shit man (laughs) holy shit there's a list of movies that i like it's almost a fun game to play looking at just the titles of ben affleck's movies and trying to guess what they're about like reindeer games like i know nothing what that's about bounce don't know anything about that phantoms forgot was a movie until you just said it from what i remember and i'm really reaching here it had something to do with like ghosts living in the water pipes or something is I think that it was right aliens i mean yeah i think it was aliens in the sewer uh, close enough i mean so, something bad in the something else was um, it rose mcgowan in it as well phantoms is a not a movie i thought i'd be thinking about today funny because he went from he went it was dazed and confused mall rats chasing amy goodwill hunting phantoms armageddon <laughs> shakespeare in love you know like it's so, that oh, so, wait, so, movie. so goodwill hunting then phantoms then armageddon yeah wow so credit again to Michael Bay, who probably just <laughs> refused to even watch Phantoms and just decided to go with his gut and cast Ben Affleck. That's the only explanation. Um, I mean, I you have to think that they endeared themselves a little bit to mainstream when they accepted the Oscar award and they accepted it like real people. Like they got on the stage, kind of like Go- Cuba Gooding oh, Jr. Him did and when Matt Damon, was, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. When they were like bouncing around and they're like, yeah, like, I can't believe we won. This is incredible. Thanks, mom. And stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like they were like just two boys who won an Oscar. <laughs> I just said to Matt, losing would suck and winning would be really scary. And it's really, really scary. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just really two young guys who uh, were fortunate enough to be involved with a lot of great people whom uh, it's coming upon us to, there's no way we're doing this in less than 20 seconds, <laughs> who, on, upon whom it's incumbent of us to thank. Um, Harvey Weinstein, who believed in us and made this movie. Gus Van Sant for brilliant direction. Robin Williams, who delivered some straight lines. Minnie Driver, whose performance was brilliant. Stellan Skarsgård, who was great. Your brother. Um, my brother Casey, who's brilliant in the Cole movie. Hauser. Cole Hauser. My mother John, John and Matt's mother, the most beautiful my women mom. here. My dad right morning. over there. And um, Jack said hi to you. And uh, right. who, who, who else? Uh, John Gordon from Miramax. John Gordon. Uh, Chris Moore, who produced Chris the Moore. movie. And, Chris uh, Moore. Patrick Weitzel, the best agent in Hollywood. Yeah, and, uh, Patrick Weitzel. And Cuba Gooding for showing us how to. Give our acceptance speech. And uh, um, all our friends and family. And and everybody back in Boston watching us tonight. And thank you so much, the city of Boston. And and God, I know we're forgetting somebody. Whoever we forgot, we love you. We we love you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Didn't they bring their moms to the Oscars? Wasn't that their gimmick? Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, so I think yeah. that's what Michael Bay saw was like, oh, he's a he's a good old American boy. And that's that was his role in Armageddon. And to, well, not a lesser extent, but to a, to a different extent, Pearl Harbor. But Armageddon <laughs> is in itself a polarizing movie, largely because of the premise. But also within it was Ben Affleck, who, I mean, like for me, his character in that movie is... I don't even know what like equal parts precious and equal parts. I don't want to say it's not badass, but it's like heroic, equal parts, precious, heroic, vulnerable, and none of it's done in a very poignant way. It's all smack you right in the face with a brick, Michael Bay style. But that doesn't mean (laughs) it's not done well. No, he's the one that the audience is following. Is he not? I mean, I feel like I mean, in terms of top billing, Bruce Willis, of course, in terms of like the big climax moment at the end, uh, Bruce Willis. But, you know, the relationship or, or rather the endearment to the Bruce Willis character would not happen without Ben Affleck's character and the kind of muse that he provides throughout um, the movie and then the culmination of everything at the end. And I would say nobody, I I don't recall much hate for Ben Affleck or anybody in the cast when it no, came to No, it was more the movie itself and, and, yeah, and by extension, the cast. And, and even so, that I feel like Armageddon's a movie that it's grown with the benefit of nostalgia. Like, I don't think there are a lot of people now who uh, who would get up on the soapbook, soapbox and, you know, cut down Armageddon the way that maybe they would have when it came out and then maybe 10 years later or whatever. It's just like this. It's not a think piece. It's not classic. You know, it's not it's not classic genre defining cinema necessarily. Well, I don't know, maybe in terms of disaster movies. But, um, you know, it's a very, very blunt movie. But it's it's done so well. And the the Ben Affleck character is this like scrappy, almost underdog who, like you said, you're rooting for. You're really rooting. You're rooting for everybody in that movie, I think. You're rooting for uh, for the William Victor was kind of a dick, but you're rooting you're rooting for the most part for everybody. But you're especially rooting for Ben Affleck because of his relationship with Bruce Willis and how it evolves over the course of the movie. That was all him. It was definitely all him because there's not. I mean, the script didn't necessarily give him a backstory. You know, like you don't. No, not at all. Based off of how he behaves when it comes to Bruce Willis and Liv Tyler, you for some reason just kind of assume he does doesn't have parents, right? Like you assume there's, I I would, and as you're saying this, I believe there's like a throwaway line where it's, um, the Will Patton character says something like, you know, you told AJ's father you'd take care of him. It's something very subtle and I might be imagining Mm. it, but I feel like it's something (laughs) completely throwaway, but you're right. There's no other evidence of, you know, anything outside of the fact that Bruce Willis is his father figure and that it's a very, very contentious relationship and it starts with bruce willis trying to kill him with a shotgun right so like (laughs) and then it ends there's definitely an arc there (laughs) and then it ends literally with bruce willis killing himself to save ben affleck's life and you know the rest of the world but i don't um, think i ever put that together that it starts with him trying to kill ben affleck and then it ends with him saving his life yeah see man i'm 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 smart man i'm a i'm a i'm a a movie buff i'm 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 thinking 24 7 so our Armageddon was 98. And then after that, Pearl Harbor right away. No, Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. That's another one you're going to have to talk about. (laughs) I am Hieronymo. I am Tamberley. I am Faustus. I am Barabbas, the Jew of Malta. Oh, yes, Master Will. I am Henry VI. 
What is the play and what is my part? Uh, one moment, sir. Who are you? I'm, um, I'm the money. Then you may remain, so long as you remain silent. Pay attention. You will see how genius creates a legend. Thank you, sir. We are in desperate want of a Mercutio Ned, a young nobleman of Verona. Mm -hmm. And the title of this piece? Mercutio. Is it? I will play. So Shakespeare in Love is, of course, the Oscar-winning Shakespeare in Love that won over Saving Private Ryan that year. And a lot of people attribute that to the fact that Harvey Weinstein was probably not greasing palms, but probably slapping cheeks in order to... Oh, no, I don't want to say that either. (laughs) (laughs) Retake. He's probably punching faces to get... Or threatening to punch faces if his movie didn't win. A lot of people don't necessarily remember that Ben Affleck is in this because he took such a small role, but his role is is like the comic relief of the movie where he's the actor who just is kind of bitching about his lines on the stage. So it's a very funny, smart turn. And it's another one of those movies where I'm like, if you don't like Ben Affleck in this role, I don't, I don't necessarily trust your opinion (laughs) as far as like that movie goes. No, I get what you're saying. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, like I always say this about, I always say this about the Backstreet Boys because you know, I love them. It's like, if you hate the Backstreet Boys with every fiber of your soul for whatever reason, that's cool. But if you don't acknowledge what they've done and the successes they've had and the impact they've had on music and popular culture, I cannot trust your opinion, <laughs> you know, because yeah. because the things I've just said are facts. And in order to form an opinion, you need to acknowledge facts. And so like you're saying, in order to have a discussion with someone about movies, you have to at least respect their opinion. And I have never seen Shakespeare in Love. I was under the impression Ben Affleck played Shakespeare and fell in love. Apparently, that's not the case. But again, just another sort of example of controversy overshadowing the Ben Affleck, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a whole lot of movies between now and Pearl Harbor. Just to read them off, we've already talked about Forces of Nature that came after Shakespeare in Love. And then there was Dogma. Which oh, I don't Dogma know if you remember Dog, yeah, fantastic. That's another Kevin Smith, really smart vehicle. Him and Matt Damon as evil scheming angels, and he was the more evil of the two, right? That was more supernatural than Phantoms, even I think. <laughs> You know, that was great. That was another just like really cool movie with really cool characters and a good turn by Ben Affleck. That might be a candidate because I think that gets on just I don't think people like that movie as much as they should. Really? I feel Um, like that one was I feel like that one was pretty over. But go on. Then after that year 2000 Boiler Room comes out. Yes. I don't think anybody's hating on him yet. You know, like because I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I guess I think everybody that visited our dorm room really loved his speeches in that. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't think anyone knew about that movie, to be honest. Like, I don't think anyone knew about the movie the time, knew about that movie at the time it came out, you know, and maybe only went back to watch it because Vin Diesel was in it briefly um, and they wanted to see what that looked like. So, and I think this is, the next movie is where things start 
taking a little bit of a turn, and that is Reindeer Games, where he starred opposite Charlize Theron in 2000. And this and is the year before he meets J-Lo. So if I'm not mistaken, also in that movie, one of the actors who my impression of is <laughs> dead on, Gary Sinise. Mm-hmm. I'm not yep. even going to do it now because it's just like I have to, I save it for special occasions. But yes, opposite Gary Sinise in Reindeer Games. Still don't know what that movie's about. I imagine it's set during winter. I feel like it was some sort of a caper movie. Um, I think so. And I think like Gary Sinise plays a bad guy that you're not supposed to assume he's a bad guy. But since you already saw Ransom, you know he's a bad say, guy. Shocker. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Gary Sinise, perennially above suspicion. Gary Sinise. When, so here's a question. When did Changing Lanes come out? Blank check. And uh, you just can't get your car no, fixed. No, 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 Changing Lanes was with Sammy Sammy L. Yep, your boy. Um, yeah, I feel changing, like that was 03-ish. Or, uh, changing Lanes was 2002. Right, okay. And that was right around Paycheck also. Paycheck was up there in 2003. Yeah, he had a lot of movies coming out. So he was, so the market maybe was- Maybe oversaturated. Exactly. The market was oversaturated with Ben Affleck. Those two movies, Paycheck and Changing Lanes- Paycheck is, I haven't seen it in a while, but watching it again could definitely give it the nod for Second Chance Cinema because that was the John Woo movie with him, Uma Thurman, and Aaron Eckhart, maybe. And it was this weird kind of like futuristic cyber hacker movie, but with John Woo action. (laughs) Really like just an interesting combination. Changing Lanes is a movie that I absolutely love and I could not tell you why. It's one of those MC Depression era movies that was always on when I was sad and just was kind of like in the background and made me, you know, was just just a, a good movie to watch. He in that movie, have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. Okay, so he in that movie and Samuel L. Jackson do this sort of weird good versus evil thing where each of them play both sides. They each play at different points in the movie opposite each other as either like, you know, the scheming villain or the virtuous hero. And they go back and forth like it's not it's not stagnant throughout the whole movie. It's not a static relationship. It's dynamic. And they switch in turn with each other. And I think it's just a really like like it's certainly not, you know, a Library of Congress movie, but it's a really enjoyable movie, partly because they pull it off so well and their chemistry is just really decent. But it's another one of those movies that like definitely went under the radar. I would I, I don't know if I suggested it for second chance cinema, but I absolutely would. Like you said, it came out during like that span of several years where like Ben Affleck was in every movie. Mm-hmm. So changing lanes to me, one, a movie completely about <clears throat> one, a small road rage incident that just spirals out of control is also, it kind of gives me the feeling of like falling down. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, Oh, these people are snapping mm-hmm. and the world is crumbling, uh-huh. you know, like, so I like that where they just, they keep one upping each other. One, downing each other Uh really 
So to get back to it was Reindeer Games. Then he does the movie Bounce. Which what was bounce, that about? <laughs> a man switches plane tickets with another man who dies in the plane crash. The man falls in love with the deceased one's wife. So he switches planes with another man and then he goes to that man's widow and falls in love with her. Hang on. That's the tagline. That's the tagline. So and then the poster says two strangers fall in love. One knew it wasn't by chance. Was this like a sinister movie or was this like a romantic comedy? No, I feel like it's so here's one thing that Ben Affleck sometimes gets pigeonholed in his roles and that's the stuttering man in love you know like the romantic lead but he's not cocksure about what he is doing i love that word yeah you said (laughs) you said that word with more gusto than i've heard all night we saw it in forces of nature too he plays like the man who doubts himself while in love and i think that probably as far as like the female audience is concerned they want to see the man that's cocksure (laughs) about being in love now you're just Um, shoehorning it into sentences (laughs) (laughs) so he did bounce and then after that he does pearl harbor which funny enough i've noticed with the people that i bring up pearl harbor with that those people are not interested in history they really like pearl harbor so it's the people that are like who are hell-bent on the history who think that they you know it was michael bay trying to do his titanic where like james cameron really sat down to like plan out every single thing to make sure it was as realistic as possible that he could with with his titanic film michael Mm -hmm. bay was like i'm gonna do a story set during pearl harbor and blow no, some shit up and, and it's gonna not look really a movie cool. about pearl harbor the event correct right interesting all right but ben affleck was in that in 2001 he also meets j-lo and people are now looking for reasons to hate him all right we're in the early 2000s we're kind of at the precipice where ben affleck's film career is going to continue but not too long after in the grand scheme of things he delves into directing and behind the scenes work and things like that when was gone baby gone 2007 so about four years from now ben affleck will step behind the camera and i think that's when we kind of not necessarily turn a corner but we're given more ammo to support the argument that ben affleck does not deserve all this hate i think that's a good place to stop for part one what do you think i think I think it sounds good. So next time when we pick up, we'll dive into the directorial debut and the career since, you know, who knows what the future holds for Ben Affleck and his miraculous chin. <laughs> right. All right. Bring it all back. So tune in. Actually, it's probably going to be up right now, right? If you're listening to this, isn't part two going to be up too? Or are we going to do week by week? We'll probably put them up at the same time. All right. Well, if you can see it, listen to part two right now. If not, then please stay tuned until part two um, comes up and we will be back with our wrap-up of Season 2, our Season 2 finale um, for Second Chance Cinema. We're so glad you joined us, and we will hopefully talk at you again soon. Peace. qualifies as a cracker. Why? Well, because it's sweet, which to me suggests cookie, and, uh, you know, me putting cheese on something is sort of the defining characteristic of what makes a cracker a cracker. I don't know why I thought of that. I just... Baby, you have such sweet pillow top. I got, like, a little animal cracker Discovery Channel thing happening right here. <laughs> Watch the gazelle as he grazes through the open plank. Sorry. <laughs> now, look. 
as the cheetah approaches. Watch as he stalks his prey. Now the gazelle's a little spooked. And he could head north to the ample sustenance provided <laughs> by the mountainous peaks above. <laughs> he could go south. The gazelle now faces man's most perilous question. North. So, way down under. Tune in next week. <laughs> Baby, do you think it's possible that anyone else in the world is doing this very same thing at this very same moment? I hope so. Otherwise, what the hell are we trying to save? That concludes part one. For part two, please flip your cassette to the other side.